Welcome to the very first episode of Behind the Cars. In our opening episode, we're going to be talking to Hyundai's official NTEC Jeff Fear and Australian International Rally driver Brendan Reeves. We're going to talk about the Hyundai IMAX and Drift Bus, which is a viral video at the moment, the new i30N Fastback, and what is Hyundai's N Performance division. Stick around. Thank you guys for letting me sit down with you. I'm here with Brendan Reeves and Jeff Fear, and we're here at Essendon Hyundai. They've been nice enough to let us use their office space to record a little bit of a podcast. So, Jeff, if you just want to tell us a little bit about why we're here at, um, at Essendon Hyundai today. Yeah, thank you for having me to, uh, to start with. Um, yeah, so M Performance uh, goes around the country doing tech talks. Um, we, we want to try and show the customers what they've bought. Okay. So we get a car, throw it up on the hoist, Put the car up on the hoist and show them exactly everything that you don't normally get to see. Mm-hmm, so okay. uh, pull the covers off and ask questions. What do you want to know? There's no uh, structure to it. It's they lead me where they want to talk about. Gotcha. Well, before we go too much in that detail, I did want to start off with talking about that bus video that I saw on on whether it was YouTube or Facebook last week because that went viral. It was being posted on all the chat groups that I've seen. So what was that project and how did that start? Um, it was about doing exactly what it's done again for me. The moment you mentioned the bus, it puts a smile on your face. <laughs> it was uh, marketing and PR from head office come down and said, Jeff, we want something different. Um, and, yeah, what can you do? And uh, so uh, our product planning development team and myself, we had a bit of a chat and they, uh, this is what we came up with. And, uh, yeah. Fantastic. And how long did you have to, I guess, work on that car? Was it something you had to do during the day or, um, or was this a bit of a side love project that you had to work on? It was a bit of both. So okay. um, I had to call in a bit of help from a couple of workshops because it was a top secret project. Uh, it was secret from head office as well. So okay. maybe 20 people in the building knew about it. Wow. Um, so we had to do a lot of it off-site. In fact, in head office itself, it only spent two, two nights in there. The rest of the time we was uh, in top secret. And who drove the car on the day for that for that filming? On on the filming, uh, Brendan was our main driver, uh, okay. and we also used John Boston. So we had okay. two, uh, depending on availability. Gotcha. Uh, a little bit of it was me on the film, uh, but the the bulk of it was Brendan Reeves. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and then on the race day, it was lucky enough to be me. Mm. So Brendan, we were having a chat earlier about what it was like to drive that car on the day. I don't know if you wanted to just touch on that again because that was a bit of a unique story. Yeah, so the, the bus itself, uh, we called it an IMAX N. Okay. Uh, so it's still spirited and got to be driven fun, but we called it hashtag drift bus. So nice. the objective was to drift it as much as we could. Big smile on your face and a lot of smoke. Yeah, wow. And what was it like? I mean, it's not your typical car that you'd be trying to drift around the track so how was that different to what you'd be used to yeah 100 percent. it's very unique in that way uh, but still drive it the same throw it into the corner get on the throttle and it was really drivable in that way you could actually link the corners which was really nice and we just had a big grin on our face every time we got to drive it obviously when you're doing filming you're doing a lot of sets but i was happy to do extras if we needed <laughs> yeah exactly are you sure you don't want another take yeah exactly you sure you got that guys because i can do another donut yeah yeah no fantastic and that video's gone pretty viral i think viral it's got over half a million views i mean i checked just earlier before we sat down and i imagine it's only going to climb from there so 
that's um that's going to be a really good marketing little thing that you guys have done, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. It was very clever by the guys. And uh, you can see there's pretty much eight stigs in the car. So there was a lot mm-hmm. of us involved on the time. And you can't see who's driving it because we had their mirror advisors as well. Nice. Uh, so there's been a lot of talk on facebook and when it got released it was really clever it was done the friday morning of world time attack and jeff was actually competing in that event so it was kept out of the eyes of the public then when it was revealed online the bus also appeared at world time attack and people were there straight away running up taking photos have you seen the video and it was really cleverly done and it was just nice for it all to come together and work Fantastic, yeah, very clever. Now, what other cars have you driven? Because I, I heard mention earlier in the presentation that you've driven the um, the car that we're looking outside there. Is that right? Uh, so last year, uh, sorry, this year we we built a Targa car, which is based on the i30N okay. uh, for Targa Tasmania. Okay. Uh, so that's a car I campaigned this year. And we've also been doing the northeastern, um, sorry, North Shore Sporting Car Club Tarmac Rally Sprint Series. Okay. And we're using the Targa car for that as well. So we didn't have that car here today. Okay. Uh, the car we had here today was also an i30N, but it was the fastback version. Yes, and that okay. was built for World Time Attack as well that competed in uh, the club sprint class last weekend. Yeah, okay. So that's not road legal. That's specifically for competition. Yeah, exactly. It's oh. been stripped down, made lightweight, all about big downforce. Yep. And it's got a bit extra horsepower and some really good handing, uh, handling dynamics about it. Uh, Jeff and the team at M Performance have built the car and set it up as well. Yep. Uh, I did some early testing in it just for some filming as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the car is fantastic to drive. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Now that wing that it has, I know you mentioned that that creates, I don't know how many hundreds of downforce, kilometer, kilograms of downforce. How yes. much was that again? So the rear wing itself, it's adjustable. Uh, okay. It's a twin twin uh, wing. Uh, at full, it will make about 450 kilograms of down. Wow. Um, and we've dialed it back. It's probably around the 300 estimated at the minute because our front splitter does make about 300 kilograms of uh, downforce or suck to the road. So we needed the wing to balance it out. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good one because um, we had a lot of people asking why such a big wing on a front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Without it, with that front splitter, without the wing, uh, it's just way too much oversteer. So we needed to hold it down. That, you mentioned, goes all the way through the boot, doesn't it? It yeah. doesn't fit to the back, does it? So uh, when I first got it, I thought, this is going to be fun to to, uh, to mount up. Um, to bolt it straight to the, the hatch mm-hmm. would shatter the glass. Uh, the twist on the, the body would twist it up, shatter the glass. So we had to reinforce it all the way to the the chassis rails so we've got a a little bridge cradle inside the car bolts to the floor off the rails welded to the hatch gate and then the uh, wing mounts off that plate wow Mm. now i'm just trying to think of some of the other questions that they asked out there and they mentioned the tires why we didn't go or or why they chose to go with pirellis over the michelin yeah, so there were, there was a lot of tyre testing done in Germany, Korea, and then again here in Australia. And okay. the, the result was they needed a high-performance tyre that was durable. So it had to be able to do a lap uh, or a, a track day, mm. not tear to shreds. And the track they were playing with was the uh, the Nürburgring. So, um, yeah, it's not just a, a quick little three-minute lap. It was a, a proper lap, multiple laps, and the tyre has to be able to have a high grip level, but a good durable level as well. So okay. uh, it was a bit of a compromise between ultimate grip and durability. Okay, so, and uh, that's the same tie that's going to be on any of the ends, whether it's the i30N or the sports back. 
Yep. So the fastback, the i30, both have the, the Pirelli P0 HN compound. So it was a compound designed for the N. So okay. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful tyre. I um, remember they asked about, well, they didn't ask, but you mentioned something about the gearbox that was unique about this one from other cars. It's got a double, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, so exactly. two final drives. So um, it has one input shaft and two output shafts. So uh, a conventional gearbox will have, say, six gears. Uh, they'll be set a, a, a set distance apart from each other, how much room you've got in the gearbox. Yes. And then that determines what what uh, width each gear is and okay. strength. By splitting it into two input shafts, you can have double the size of gears. They're a lot stronger gears on two shafts. And then you can actually have two final drive ratios, which then uh, changes the diameter of the gears you play with so you can get more strength again. Okay, is that so unique to this model from Hyundai or unique so to cars in general? dual clutch gearboxes use the same basic theory on it, um, okay. and that's because they've got two clutches individually. This is yep. one clutch with the same process, which is fairly unique. There's one other manufacturer out there that uh, has it, um, but not not commonly used. Now, you also mentioned about the exhaust and what was unique about this exhaust to other exhausts. And when we're out there, that it's got the full so two and a half inch, is that right? Yeah, so all the Hyundai range, not just the N, um, okay. have a mandrel bent, which is a real free-flowing exhaust system. So most exhaust systems on production cars are a crush bend. So by that, if it's a, say it's a two-inch exhaust pipe, when it gets to a corner, it will be crushed to, to make the corner, which it might be an inch and a half uh, in diameter. Or if we're talking in 50 mil, it might reduce down to 40 mil in diameter. Whereas these are a mandrel bent, which means the corners flow the same flow of volume as mm -hmm. the, the straights. So it's a, a performance exhaust and all our range have it. Uh, the N in particular has a, a two and a half or a 65 millimetre diameter exhaust, free flowing all the way through. It's not a restrictive exhaust. So because it's not restricted, that's going to give you better performance out of it and better it. sound, I imagine, as well? That's right. So it's been tuned for tone and for performance. So okay. um, if you were to replace the exhaust from after the catalytic converter back, Yep. you're not going to gain any performance. It's it's making the ultimate performance and it's been tuned for tone. So, uh, yeah, uh -huh. you'd only change it for looks or if you wanted a different tone. Okay, and I think you mentioned that about the air intake as well because most people when they get a car will think about, okay, I'm going to change the exhaust, I'm going to put a custom air intake on it, I'm going to do a stage two tune if they can. But what I thought was interesting is you said it wouldn't actually give you any more power necessarily. That's right. So um, just... Because we can. Uh, we had a, a, a cold air induction system that was designed here in Australia. It's a really good looking system. Fits up beautiful, five minutes to fit. Uh, I was given one to test and uh, I thought, well, with the time attack car, if we're going to make a few more horsepower, do I need a cold air box um, from R&D Centre in Korea? They said, no, nope, won't need it. But because I was on a dyno, we bolted it on back to back, made no difference in power whatsoever. It was an identical power curve. Sound was good. The air mm -hmm. induction sounds fantastic, but it's not actually needed. Okay. So uh, we ran the factory box because um, the car was all about production. So, uh, yeah, if it, if it made me horsepower, I'd, I'd look at bolting it on. But if it's not making power, I'll take a production part every day of the week. Yeah, fair enough. If someone did want that, I guess, that extra noise, is there a unit they could buy that covers under warranty at the moment or we don't, haven't got a product at the moment? We don't have a, uh, a factory option part. No. Yeah, okay. No. Yep. No, no worries. Now, the LSD, you mentioned there was some uniquenesses around that one in this car as well. Yeah, so we run an E-LSD. So okay. it's, it's a mechanical type LSD. Uh, it has clutch plates in there and it's got an electric solenoid on it that has um, uh, the capability of driving in more preload. Okay. So a conventional clutch LSD, you preset the preload of it. 
Then it'll have ramps in there that will mechanically ramp up to more preload or more load or more grip. Mm. Uh, these do it electronically. So we've got a little ECU under the dash that has two maps in it and you can select between. And it's got different ramp rates and different clamping ultimate pressures. So uh, different drivability. So for normal street use or for, for performance use or track use. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. And you mentioned that you can't necessarily tune this car from the OD, OBD port, which is how most cars do that these days. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So a lot of people are um, like anything, any car, you, you get a, a performance car, they want more. Yep. Um, people are doing chip upgrades and flashes on all model cars. They're doing it with the N as well, but to do it, they're pulling the issue apart. They actually have to dismantle it and go directly onto the solder joint really? and then flash it into there, which is a really dangerous way of doing it. Okay. Uh, you could blow the computer, cause all sorts of issues. Um, that's the only way they can do it. Um, I know they're trying to get in through the OBD, but I can guarantee they can't get through. Not even the factory can get past the security. Really? Office. So when we want to tune one of our own cars, we have a special ECU that doesn't have that protection software in there. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So if someone's out there who's got a car and they do want to tune it, you'd advise them probably not the, the, the smartest thing to do with their brand new car. Not what we recommend. We've put a lot of time and effort into the tune. Um, the, the development on this car is pretty unique. Like it's it's really high standard. So, I, yeah, if if you, you're trying to play with what everyone's done, um, yeah, it's dangerous, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And I know you mentioned the turbo as well. The turbo has been set up for the specific parameters of the car that it's being run at the moment. So you wouldn't want to start pushing it beyond that anyway. Well... Unlike most turbos, this car has had a turbo selected and, and set to give ultimate response. So by that, uh, there's no lag. Um, the turbo starts boosting at 1450 RPM, which is just above idle, really. Okay. And it's got a uh, full boost of around 17, 18 pounds at 1750 RPM, whereas most cars, the turbo hasn't started working by 2000 RPM. Okay. So this has got full power, full torque, really low. So out of corners, phenomenal. So... Um, but it, it means the turbo is on the limit of where it wants to be. So it's designed to do it all for, for the, the scope of what it's been built for. Mm-hmm. So if you want to push beyond that, you, you're you going to start to hurt things, you know. Like yeah, okay. Turbo speeds, I can't say the exact speed of this turbo, um, yeah. but I can tell you it's well above 150,000 RPM. Yep. Now, if you start pushing, you know, uh, more boost out of it, you're going to be doing more than that and bearings can't cope you know like it shortens the life on all the components yep okay so, mm. now these cars they only come in manual at the moment is that right that's right yeah six-speed manual at the moment okay and they are developing a, a double clutch option is that correct yeah they've got a, a wet dual clutch eight-speed okay. and that will be available uh, some stage next year um okay. it's well and truly in testing it's um yeah yeah everyone's looking forward to it i heard you also mention brake override mode is that right yeah, so we've got a unique feature in this car that uh, yeah we're really, really happy with. Um, in a front-wheel drive, if you're in a race situation and, and you, you're pushing to the limit, you can actually push a car into to the, the verge of understeer. Okay. And if you race a front-wheel drive with understeer, you, your way around it is just lightly left foot brake to while you're still on the throttle, okay. give it a little bit of left foot and it helps tuck the front end. Okay. Um, and uh, any car, any modern car has brake override. And okay. by that, if you are on the accelerator and the brake at the same time, it disarms the accelerator. Okay. And it's a safety device so that if you accidentally one pedal, you know, one foot hits both pedals, mm-hmm. you're not going to crash the car. Okay. It's to reduce that. 
this one you can actually turn off the brake override. So yeah, you can go into N Custom, turn off stability control, and it will turn off the brake. So you can brake override. So you can actually left foot brake this car, which is fantastic on the track. And um, was that something they always envisaged that they were going to do? Because I know you told a little bit of a story about how they. Yeah, no. Originally, it it wasn't going to be on the car. Um, I was lucky enough to do the first testing back in 2016 with the car, and uh, I brought it to their attention that you know my particular car at the time was an over uh, an understeering car, and I used a lot of left foot braking Um, on the track. Uh, the N wasn't showing understeer at all. Okay. Uh, but I, I said, look, if I push harder and throw it in and I can make a mistake to cause the understeer, uh, I'd like to recover by left foot braking and, and demonstrate it to them. And uh, they said, oh, well, never seen it done. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not, not something they wanted, but they'll try and get it through and still meet ADRs. Um, and then we were lucky enough that uh, I think one of the uh, European journalists brought it up as well. So uh, it really? got pushed okay. through and, yeah, the cars have it. So, um, yeah, pretty proud of that one. And um, ha- have you noticed that in your own driving, Brendan? Yeah, I, I learned to left foot brake from a very young age as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of people back in the day, especially gravel rally driving, were heel and towing mm-hmm. and blipping the throttle that way. This car has an auto blip and also you can left foot brake. And Jeff and I discussed this when I first drove the car. He said they'd turned it off to see what you think uh, to get my opinion as well. And, yeah, I thought it was brilliant because there's nothing worse. You go and do a track day and all these current driver aids are slowing you down when you're a a well-qualified driver and and you want to be able to do whatever uh, you can with the car and get those extra tents out of it and to be able to left foot brake just like we did in Target Tasmania uh, this year, was really important. And it doesn't mean that you're using the brakes anymore. Okay. You're just using these aids to improve your performance through the corner, especially not even if the corner's the same degree the whole way. If the corner tightens slightly or a double apex, you know, and you need to get on the, the brake mid-corner and you're getting on the throttle at the same time, the aids aren't going to cut in and affect that. You can keep the same power and keep the turbo spinning. And you mentioned that it does do a blip when you're changing gears as well, does it? So that's similar to some of the other cars that are out there. And some people don't like that, like, each to their own, but you can turn that off, I imagine, as well, can't you, within the car? Yeah, the rev matching, we call it, and it's on the steering wheel, the button, so it's very easy to turn on and off. But to be honest, I use it all the time. I love it. But for those people that don't, they want to heel and toe, they can do that as well. Um, But it's just one less thing I have to think about as a racing driver. It's really cool aid and i used it for all the target tasmania and i'd met the person that their main job was to design that you're kidding and, and they come out <laughs> to australia and we, d- we did some work with them so it's a lot of fun fantastic now the exhaust or the engine load of this car it does have a bit of a an aid to it is that right similar to i think the, the current series bmw m where they've got a bit of a sound that pipes through the cabin is that the same with this one am i right yeah yeah quite a few manufacturers have it um okay. yeah some do it through the speaker system so um i've driven a few of the opposition cars where you can hear the engine from the back seat okay. and uh it's it's done in an unusual way uh, we've actually got a, a sound generator on the firewall and it, it creates a, a a harmonic through the firewall to mimic the engine oh okay so the firewall is so well protected in modern cars for noise um for, for heat transfer, noise transfer. When you've got a performance car, you want a bit of that back. So they've added a, a sound generator to give back what they've taken away with their, their sound deadening. Yeah, so okay. And they've put that in a position so you don't even really notice it, I imagine. A as lot much of people don't even know it's in there. Yeah, okay. that's right. And you did say it's quite easy to um, to even disconnect that if you wanted to. 
Yeah, we have quite a few customers that love the the serenity of the the the, the cockpit, and they don't want to hear hear the engine. So um, yeah, it's just a matter of uh, pulling a cover off, and you can unplug it. Yes, yep, Fantastic. doesn't affect anything. So with the introduction of this N range, it's coming into I imagine the the hot hat market, hot hot hatch market. So it's competing against what is it would it, would it be the GTI, the the Ford Focus RS. Um, and I've done a, a little bit of research before we've sat down today about those other models, and I think two things that really stood out for me for this particular car was the price point. It it was far more competitive than some of the other cars that it's competing against um, and the fact that you've got that warranty. Is it five years or...? Yeah, so five years and uh, some of the range now has seven years warranty with Hyundai. But, um, yeah, the end's five years warranty. Um, we have track warranty, which none of the uh, opposition cars have. Really? So, so you Hyundai's can, the only one who's doing that? Yep. Yep, so uh, you can take the car, do a track day, and it's covered, as long as it's not in competition. So, okay. So, um, yeah, best way to, to describe it, if someone's holding a trophy at the end of the day, that's called competition. Sure. Uh, if it's just about lap times and, you know, fun day with the mates and doing track times, yep. yeah, yeah, it's all covered. And the other thing um, that I think you mentioned earlier was that if you did change anything on the car, you've got to be mindful that it affects the warranty of not only the component that you've changed, but anything that's connected to. So if anyone was going to the track... They just need to be mindful before they start going and changing the tyres, for example, or, or any other performance enhancements, that it may not be covered under warranty in the long term. Is that right? That's right. We can't cover what you modify yep. uh, or what it may affect. That's uh, the, the reality of it. Um, and We've gone to a lot of work to build a car to do what we want it to do and, and it performs. Um, mm-hmm. If you make a change that affects... So we've had a few people, for example, change uh, some of the bushes in the front or the, the pinch pitch link on the bottom of the engine which gives you better slightly better throttle response but it creates a harmonic in the car and we've mm-hmm. got people coming and saying oh i've got a rattle in the back of the car mm, you've changed the bush that caused that rattle you know yeah, okay. so yeah you've got to be mindful of what you do and what it affects in the, the rest of the car yep okay and when it comes to maintenance i think i found that hyundai had the lowest cost of maintenance over the long term as well in comparison to the uh, Golf GTI and I think it was the Megane RS that it was comparing against in an article that I read. Yep. So that's that's really good to know only because it when you have a performance car you think that the maintenance costs are going to be killing you. I know people think about that when they go for a European exotic car but here you can go down a performance car that doesn't have I guess such a high price tag when it comes to paying for maintenance when you've got to drive it in. That's it. Value for money, bang for buck. Yeah, it's hard to beat the car. And can anyone drive it? I mean... Can you drive it on your peas? Every state's different. I just haven't so looked in into whether So in New South Wales, uh, around, uh, around every state's different, but in okay. New South Wales, it's actually outside the range of the pea plater. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you've got to be off your peas for, for it in New South Wales. Okay. I imagine it's the same here in Victoria. They're yeah, pretty tight here. Yep. 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 Gotcha. Which we're not too upset about because yep. it is a pretty potent little performance car. So, you know, yes. you, you really, to have a car of this um, ability, yeah, you need a driver to have a bit of experience with it as well. So, um, yes. And I imagine we're going to see a lot more of N around um, within marketing and, and turning up to, to car events and shows. Yeah, the uh, the I-30 is just a toe in the water. So, uh, really? yeah, there's a lot more to come. Yeah, there's plenty uh, in testing now. Okay. Now, I did hear that there was a Veloster N as well, but... Was that one coming to Australia? Yeah, unfortunately, we're not getting that one. Um, okay. Yeah, so any country that gets the i30N doesn't get the Veloster and vice versa. So, so either the, or. The Veloster's the left-hand drive version, the i30 is the right-hand drive version. Okay, and the, I imagine the Australian market tends to lean towards the, the i30 offering, does it? 
Uh, it's all about what's available in production. So okay. they're not making it in right-hand drive, so we just can't have it. We'd love to have it. If it was available, we would sell it. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yes. So how does how does end performance fit in the big picture? Because, I mean, it's pretty new to a lot of us. Yes, end performance uh, was set up to be the link to th- from the customers to, to head office. So um, we're a, an actual direct link. Um, we work in the R&D department. So okay. as a customer, you buy a car, you want to know more about the car. Um, you, you get a, a, a more, a closer feeling that you, you, you mean something as a customer. Sure. As in, if you've got something you want to know about, you can talk direct to the people who, who are playing with it. You know, as if you go through a dealership in any normal way, they they only have the sales brochure to sell you. Um, so yeah, we're trying to fill the gap between the manufacturer and the customer to feel yeah. more involved for the customer. So just cutting out the middleman altogether, you can That's speak it. to the people who've developed it, who've tested it, who've driven it. Yep, yep. And yeah, we're we're a bit closer to the manufacturer, a lot closer. Yeah, and so that's what today was all about, I imagine. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. And put a car on a hoist because, uh, like I said, when I, when we got here, there's there was a good 30, 40 people here, um, and there's only three that have seen under the car on the hoist. Oh, there you so go. So by putting it on the hoist and pointing out the components, show them where the bimodal exhaust is. This is the LSD. Show them the the parts. Have the parts on the bench and show them what they've bought. Show them what they've got. Yeah, no, I, I overheard a couple of the guys talking and they got a lot of benefit of being able to see underneath the car. That's and it. this isn't the only event that's going to be happening, obviously, here in, in Victoria. We are. I imagine they're going to be have more coming up. Yeah, so next weekend we're over in Perth. Um, okay. We're doing one next Saturday in Perth. Um, we are in Brisbane last month. Um, this is our second time into Victoria. Yeah, we travel around doing this as, regular, as regular as we can. Okay. Uh, in between all the other stuff, so um, building the buses and the, the fastbacks and... Yeah, yeah, we squeeze it all in there and keeps us pretty busy. Brilliant. Mm. And is there any intention of perhaps having track days or opportunities for people to yep, to yep. push their cars so to the limits? With the next track day is going to be N Fest or N Festival. Okay, uh, we've got that coming up on the fifteenth of December uh, up at Wakefield Park. It's the first festival of N um, we're going to do, and we're going to move it around the country every year. We we want to do a yearly festival and try and get as many people together and as much new product to to show and um, and try and highlight the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got that coming up next. Um, but then we'll we'll do track days at Wakefield and Winton and mm-hmm. uh, down at the Bend. We're going to go around the country doing track days and just we'll, uh, in performance, we'll rent the track and invite customers in, come and have a play for the day. And uh, we'll do a bit of tech support there and, and driver tuition and show them what they've got and how they can do better. And the best place for people to find out when those are on, is that through the Facebook page? Yes, yeah, in performance on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Um, we uh, put it all up there, yeah. So find it there. It's usually shared through other forums and things, but, yeah, come mm-hmm. direct to us and, yeah, it's all there. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, for me personally, I first heard about um, in performance. I believe you guys had a stand at the Formula One. Yes. Grand Prix, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had a chat there and we took some photos and videos there of the yep. sports back was there mm. as well. Is it the fast back, isn't the it? The fast back. Yeah, yeah I keep getting that. The I thirty fast back end. Fast back end. Um so that was great. So yeah, it's it's great to be able to sit down with the people who've been developing the car and to hear a bit of the stories about what goes into to bringing a car like this to the market mm. um, and to hear about what it is like to drive from a professional driver. So thank you very much for, for both sitting down with me. Um, really do appreciate it, and I look forward to hearing more about for the further developments and, and the changes that are coming because we have heard of the NC. Is that right? 
So there's Project C. Okay, uh, Project Unfortunately, C. we're not getting it in Australia. Okay. Uh, that's the first lightweight version. Um, it's been developed and getting released all through Europe. Okay. Um, there's only 600 cars, and, yeah, they didn't quite make it to our shores. Sure, but I'm sure that this, it's not going to just stop here with what we're looking at today. There's going to be more things coming. So. No, there's, yeah, there's a lot more yet to come. That we can't talk about. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, thank you very much, both. No, thank you for having us. No worries. Cheers. Cheers.